<laughs> Hi. Is it the end of summer or is it the end of the world? Does anybody know at all? Because I surely don't. But I do know that I want to thank you all again for supporting my memoir. Sometimes I trip on how happy we could be. Whether you bought a copy or you listened to the excerpts here that we played or you told a friend about it or even if you just retweeted me someplace, I really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much. You know, you can also support the show by becoming a member of our Patreon. Uh, you can buy some merch. All those details are at our website, thisisgoodpod.com. This time of year always feels bittersweet to me. It's the end of the summer, which is my favorite season. I love hot weather, but it is also another reminder that I did not get my summer body. I do believe that all bodies are good bodies, like truly deep down inside. But I really wish that I could figure out the best exercise program for myself. You know, I'm, I'm joking about having a summer body and a beach body and all that. But just to be serious for a moment, I'm really more concerned about like having the strength and endurance I need. So I wouldn't mind if I still weighed and, you know, kind of looked the same. If I could just lift my cat's 40 pound litter box um, without fear of falling over onto my face. I keep saying that I'm going to save up for an exercise bike, but anytime I have to spend more than $100 at one time, I freak out. I get really nervous. I sit and think about it for like days at a time. But listen, Peloton, if you're out there, sponsor me. Send me a bike. I will like be on that thing every single day. I need to learn how to outpace the zombies in the upcoming apocalypse. Look, if everybody is like drinking horse dewormer and shit like that, who knows how that's going to affect people? I don't know. But if it, they turn into zombies, I need to be able to hop on a bike and get away from those fuckers. Maybe five to seven years ago, I tried to do that whole couch to 5K thing, which was fine. It did get me outside a little bit and get me off the couch. Um, but exercising outside is a nightmare for me. The idea of people looking at me, looking at my form, commenting on my form, commenting on my body. I just, I don't want it. But I know so many people who swear by running, who swear by going for jogs on a daily basis. I've tried to do challenges with friends, you know, and we had a little spreadsheet where we were marking down, you know, what day we ran and how long we ran and, you know, what the distance was and all that shit. But I just like, I gave up. I was tired. It wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like the thought of like, especially men talking about me and running after me and, you know, saying stuff. I didn't want to deal with any of that. And I can't seem to overcome that anxiety in order to become a runner. It's just, I don't think it's going to happen for me. I also find it very boring. I get concerned about listening to music while I'm running because I want to be able to hear somebody running up on me and I listen to music very loudly. So if I'm listening to music loud enough for my pleasure, then I won't be able to hear somebody like warning me or yelling at me or a car coming or anything like that. And it's just like running outside, just it just bothers me. And I don't I don't get it. I don't <laughs> I don't get pleasure from running outside. But that is why I have writer and journalist Liz Lenz on the show today to help demystify the whole process of running, the whole thing about it. I don't I don't get it, but Liz is going to help break it down for me. My conversation with Liz does cover a lot of areas 
Um, We touch on some sensitive topics like sexual assault and miscarriage, but it was really helpful for me to hear Liz's perspective on running and how it's helped her through some really difficult times. And I think you'll find it just as thought provoking as well. This episode is sponsored by Dipsy. Everyone needs an escape, but those can be hard to come by right now. So let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios, so you feel like you're right there. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. dipsystories.com slash thisisgood. This episode is also sponsored by Girlfriend Collective. Whether you're running, biking, doing yoga, swimming, or sitting on your couch, Girlfriend Collective has clothes you feel your best in, no matter what you're doing. Girlfriend Collective is sustainable, ethically made activewear for everyone. They make cute and comfortable bras, leggings, shorts, tanks, tees, swimsuits, and more. And their sizing is inclusive, ranging from extra, extra small to 6XL. Shout out to their best-selling leggings that are squat-proof, come with pockets, and have different levels of support, whether you need compression or comfort. For listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash thisisgood. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash this is good girlfriend.com slash this is good and I just want to let you know that we're going to take a little break I'm really tired the book promo has been great it's been fantastic I wouldn't have changed anything about it for the world but I am worn the fuck out so what I'm going to do is try to go find Hosier and make him fall in love with me I think that'll only take maybe like a week or two so um, I'll be back but until then, <laughs> listen to the back catalog, buy my book, <laughs> request it from your library, uh, join the Patreon, buy some merch, do whatever, you know, whatever you feel like. I appreciate you. Have a good time. So we're going to take the next episode off and then we'll see you in four weeks. Okay. Mwah. I am an author of two books, hopefully soon to be three, if I ever finish it. Uh, Godland and Belabored are my two. I'm working on This American Ex-Wife. I live in Iowa. I am also a journalist, and I have a newsletter called Men Yell at Me. (laughs) Uh, Can you say your name, please? Because you didn't say your name in it. (laughs) I have no name. I'm just a person who works. Um, My name is Liz Lenz. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Um, so your newsletter, Men Yell at Me, what is that about? Is it more than what the title suggests? <laughs> well, I would just like to say I started it um, in 2018 before pivoting to newsletters was cool. I just want to put that out there. But uh, yeah, so I started it as just a way to, I don't know, tell stories behind the stories I was reporting out. I've always had a blog or a newsletter. And so it's just a way of kind of keeping community consistent. And then, like so many people this past year, um, I was fired from my job and now it is a place where I do original journalism, op-eds, essays, and it's really about the place where politics meets our bodies. And since I live in Iowa, you know, it's really focused on what it's like in, you know, in middle America. Um, Sinclair Lewis called it the American Middle West, and I want to bring that back just because it sounds fancier. (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely fancier than flyover country, which is (laughs) so insulting. You know, I'm not going to dispute that name. So, (laughs) Uh, You and I met because we also work on a different newsletter called The Riveter, and I learned in one of our meetings that you run you are a runner yeah I mean I'm I didn't grow up as an athletic person so I have like a really hard time identifying as an athlete but basically after I graduated from college and got married and moved to Iowa I was all alone (laughs) alone and I had no job and I was applying for jobs and cooking my way through the joy of cooking and um like beef wellington and like ruling i was just bored i was bored <laughs> and i had nothing to do and so um then my then father-in-law was like well why don't you start running and i was like why don't you stop bossing me around uh, <laughs> but he meant it well and you know in the time of my life where i felt like a real failure I wanted a challenge. So I started running then and I've been running very consistently. And that was 16 years ago, over 16 years ago, probably. Let's not do the math. (laughs) Okay. So you took the idea and what was your first run? Like how, what, what, how? (laughs) (laughs) So it's always so awkward to describe your body, but like I have very flat feet And um, for most of my life, I did dance, but I was not very good at it. (laughs) It (laughs) I was more like enthusiastic on stage than uh, talented, I think, is what I overheard a a dance teacher tell my mom. Um, Which is fine. We all have to be realistic (laughs) about our skills. But, um, you know, so when I started running... And this is actually kind of like a sad story, too, in a way. So my former father-in-law, I I later divorced his son. You know, he was this very intense, like, Midwestern businessman who was, like, bootstrapping. You just figure it out. I mean, obviously a complicated individual. Mm -hmm. But he printed out a training plan from a website and was like, here, try this. And just (laughs) handed it to me. And so I would go to the gym associated with my ex-husband's workplace, and I just started, like, running on the indoor track. And, like, seriously, it was the – I hated it. It was the worst thing ever. Like, it felt like my legs were tied down with 
old wet blankets, right? Uh Like every step (laughs) felt like a misery. And also like this about 2005 and like the Apple iPod situation was like still in its infancy, I would say. And so I I think eventually I got a little nano, but I think for a while I was actually running with a CD player. What? (laughs) Because, because like, also I need to say that, like, I was married to a man who is, let's just say, Midwestern frugal and was like, we don't need that. We don't need that. So I was like, but I need something in my ear because the sound of my feet, like, going thunk, thunk is miserable. (laughs) But also, like, right as soon as I started, of course, I got injured because I have very flat feet and I have old white grandpa butt is how I like to describe it. It's like actually concave. It's just like flat. So I had like no ass to lift my legs up. So like almost immediately, like my muscles were like cramping up and sore and swelling. And so I finally had to go to a physical therapist and she was like, yeah, so you need to do this thing we call squats. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I didn't know anything about working out. Nicole. Like, I think I had, like, in college, I had done the elliptical maybe twice. Like, I was a speech and debate nerd. Nobody had ever put me in a sport in my life. And so, yeah, I was like, oh, a squat? That seems great. I'll do that. Okay, what else? And she's like, you should stretch. I'm like, what do you mean? Go on. (laughs) Wait, so you didn't have any, like, training from dancing to, like, rely on or even just like, oh, I remember this from dance class. You should stretch before or after anything like that. No. I mean, like, you are assuming that, like, somehow I had a mind-body connection. And that's, you know, this is something I think about and have written about a little bit is the way that we teach women to divorce their minds from their bodies Mm. as if like being a fleshy reality is so inconvenient for people, you know? And I had spent so much of my life defining myself as like the smart girl, Mm. which is obnoxious. I just want to like put that out there. But I think, you know, we all kind of get through our adolescence and maybe even college in our, our, we we all cope somehow and not all of our coping mechanisms are the greatest, but like that was my whole identity. And I'm also not exactly a great eater. Like in times of stress, I just stop eating and it's pretty dysfunctional and it's really hard to talk about in a healthy way. I'm in therapy. I work on it. You know, so those things had never been an issue. Like my body was just like diminutive enough that nobody paid attention to it and that I could just be a brain. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I had that luxury. Mm -hmm. And so I never really thought about what my body was doing, what it was doing for me. Like, and even in dance, I mean, that's probably why I was such a terrible dancer. Like there wasn't that connection. And I think, you know, I grew up very evangelical homeschooled, you know, where I was just taught like your body is a problem, right? Like sex is a problem. Bodies are problems. Everything of 
about your fleshy reality is sin and a problem. So, I mean, the way I coped with that was like, okay, fine. I won't be a body. I will just be a brain. I will read absolutely everything. I will become an insufferable nerd and I just won't have to pay attention to my flesh. (laughs) And, you know, I was a victim of sexual assault in college. And so I think that also kind of just was like, something I didn't have the tools to handle. I just pretended it didn't happen, uh, which was super healthy, I think. But, you know, like, so I just, I was really like, there's no connection, but running forced me to think about, like, about my skin, about my feet, about my flat ass, like about like, how can you be stronger and how can you connect to your body in a way? And so I started training for this half marathon with my former father-in-law. I had been training for four months and then he was diagnosed with stage five pancreatic cancer. Mm. And then he died four months later. So we never got to run our race together. So we were supposed to run in October. He was diagnosed in September. He died in the end of May. It was very fast. And then I run my first half marathon in October of that next year. And yeah, I mean, the last two miles I was crying because I was thinking about Gary, about what a gift it was, you know, about how I had done this thing that nobody had ever thought I could do and that I had been able to be you know, my brother was like, you're athletic now. And I was like, what? Like, no, (laughs) get out of here. Yeah. That it was, it was a real gift that he gave to me, this gift of running. And it's hard. I don't always love it, but I really feel like it's been something I hold on to, especially in times of stress or when things are falling apart, like they seem to be doing a lot lately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I hear when I talk to people who run, and who run almost every day. It's so much more than the physical act of running. It is more about like the stress relief or just also having quiet time to themselves. And it sounds to me like you also have that connection to it where it's not just about a physical, you know, stepping away from your house. It is about stepping away from the world and like, getting back in touch with who you are or finding who you are. So is that you also get like the emotional, that runner's high that people talk (laughs) about? Is that also a part of the thrill for you? Yeah, I, you know, this year has been a really hard running year for me. I broke my wrist in the beginning of the year and it was so snowy and icy. So my runner's highs are few and far between, but when you can find them, it's just, it is amazing. I don't know if you feel this way, Nicole, maybe a lot of writers do, but like my mind is always going. Even if I'm like sitting on my porch, I'm like, look at the neighbors. What are they doing? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? What's the dog doing? What do I have to eat? And it's just like, it never stops. But when I run, it helps me turn my brain off. It helps me just focus on like arms, arms, legs, legs. Like I, it's so silly, but like, I'm just like, be a body, be a body. Don't think, don't think. And, you know, I get the right music and then it just helps me turn that off. And it is one of the only ways sometimes I can escape my own mind, especially to, I have two kids And um, when I was pregnant with them, and especially early motherhood, running 
was a lifesaver. Like just being able to get out of my house and do something for my body where nobody was touching me, where nobody wanted anything from me. The only person who wanted something from me was me. There is like this Mm -hmm. real like intense time of like early motherhood when it feels like everybody wants something from your physical body, like a touch or like milk or like if you're married, then they want to like have sex and you're like, I hurt. Don't touch me. Like, don't look at me. And so just like this, like actually getting out of the house and running away (laughs) (laughs) is really important. I mean, there would be times when I was like, I'd be like, what if I just didn't go back? Like, what if I just didn't? You know, yeah, I, I, I have a friend who, you know, she admitted that too. Like, she admitted that she just kind of wanted to, when she would go on her runs, she didn't want to come back. And it was really hard to admit that because women are not given space to admit those things. But she always turned around and, you know, came back. But it was just the fact that she, even just having the option was enough for her to like, power her back home but you you talk about running in a way that no one is making demands of you and it's just you but I wonder also how do you feel about maybe what you are presenting to your children when they see that mom has this me time just for her you know do you feel good about that do they notice it are they are they old enough to notice that you are having your own time Yeah, both my kids are so different. And, you know, especially when they were little and I would just, you know, they would wake up early. I'd wait for their dad to wake up and then I'd just like head out on a run. They really noticed it. Now I'm when they're in school, my runs are they don't really take time out of their lives anymore. But remember when my daughter was four, she was like, I'm going to go on a run with you. And I was like, okay, you can come. Like, heck yeah, girl, let's go. (laughs) We got halfway down the block and she's, she's like, stop, stop, stop. And I was like, what? She goes, wait a minute. How far do we have to go? And I was like, we're just going to go around the block. She's like, all the way with our feet. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. And, you know, obviously, like, I'm not telling everybody to run. Like, people just use your body in the way you need to. But, like, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, you could just tell her little personality was not into it. And so we walked (laughs) home, but I was just dying. But my son at that same age was like, heck, yeah, let's go. And, like, my daughter will straight up tell you. She'll say she's 10 now, but she started saying this when she was five. She'll be like, I don't believe in competition, (laughs) but like my sons are like, I'm going to race you and I'm going to be the fastest. Like he and I both are like super competitive. And so, yeah, I mean, when, when we take the dogs for walks, I live near a high school. And so my son and I will race around the track together um, while my daughter leisurely walks the little fuzzy dog and just, Uh, yeah, I think it's good. You know, recently My daughter, who was doing dance, but then she decided that Zoom dance was the most depressing thing ever, which it is. And so she (laughs) stopped. But I've been encouraging her, like, you know, just try something new with your body, like grow and change. And that's something I wish somebody had told me, right, like when I was little, that like I think we get 
kids into these molds, right? You're the smart one. You're the pretty one. You're the athletic one. You're the funny one. And we don't let people like explore modes of being. But like, you know, so I've just been like encouraging her, like, let's find something new. Let's find something new. And she's tried out for volleyball and now she's playing volleyball, which is a real screw you to me because volleyball practice is three times a week. And turns out sports are really complicated and involved, which I had <laughs> no idea about. And we have to get like knee pads and go to games. And I think I'm going to have to like, oh, Christ, volunteer on a booster thing or something. <laughs> so much enthusiasm for it. Um, but I'm so proud of her. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just so proud of her that she you went out tried something new and she's into it and she likes it and she doesn't feel intimidated mm-hmm. by that. And that's what I, I mean, that's all I want for my kids. You know, I don't need them to be like the best at sports or whatever, but I do want them to have a connection to their bodies and I don't ever want them to be afraid of trying new things. Right. Right. So I can't stand running. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have tried it before several times. Uh, sometimes I'm like, I can feel that my knees are like, bitch, what are you doing? Stop. Uh, and then a lot of times, though, it's just my anxiety about being perceived, right? Like, I don't want anybody looking at me. I don't want anybody watching anything jiggle. I, I like my jiggle, but I also don't want anyone who I don't want to see to see my jiggle. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't want them commenting on it. Also, just like being a woman outside just is sometimes very stressful. It is. It's terrifying. <laughs> Was that something you had to overcome yourself? And how did you just push through that? Um, you know, it's when I first started and I was 22, my body had a little bit more jiggle than it does now. And I would specifically time my runs because I was unemployed, I would go to that gym when all the retirees were there. So between like, if I could go between 10 and 1130, I would miss all the hot fit people. I would miss all the people who knew what they were doing, all the people who would judge me. And it would just be like the old retired white men working out in their cargo shorts. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, really, you know, and I'd go change in the dressing room and, you know, it was just like all these like 70 year old women and they don't fucking care. Mm -hmm. They're 70 and it's not, you know, glorious, but it's just real. And they're so real about it and nobody cares. And so I found that to be a real confidence booster, but I've gone through phases, especially when I divorced in 2017, I was really scared. I mean, you know, I get like, sometimes I get honked at, uh, you know, people shout things. There are some paths through downtown that I don't take because one time I thought a man was following me and now I'll just never do that. I do switch up the time of day that I run. And then there was a good year period of about 2017 when I didn't run outside at all because I was getting divorced. I was like newly single and I had actually a couple close calls with cars where people just were not paying attention. And I had been out running early in the morning and, um, you know, somebody's pulling out of like a Brugger's bagel and almost hit me. <laughs> and I like <laughs> punched their car because oh. I was so pissed off. I was like, what the fuck? And like, just punched it. <laughs> 
I respect that. I think I would do the same. <laughs> um, it changes, you know, as I get older, people honk a little, a little less. I've never had the courage to run in just like bike shorts and, you know, a sports bra. Yeah. Like not ever. But this summer I've done it like three times and I just feel like so good about not good about like how I look in it because I'm hot like it's just like it's just, I don't want to be hot so I don't want this extra piece of fabric touching me so why but I've done that a couple times I'm like okay we can do this we can do this we can own ourselves but I don't know it's tough I also you know like I don't have boobs so I wonder if that helps. People are always like, why is that teen boy running again? You know, or something like that. Like, <laughs> so now how do you feel about the way your body responds to running now? And did it help you get that a little bigger butt? Did it like... <laughs> you know, I think running has completely changed my relationship with my body. I don't know if running has changed my entire body like obviously when I run especially when I do distance runs my thighs get really big and strong and it's like amazing I love it my calves get nice and big but like the rest of me doesn't seem to change too much but what it's done is it's given me the confidence to like now I do weight training so I started with kettlebells and now that really helped me with weights and it's helped me with like my posture and it's helped me like become more confident and tr again, like trying new things. Like I went paddleboarding a couple weeks ago, did paddleboarding yoga, like whatever. It was fun. Like, mm -hmm. but running's helped me get a better sense of like what my body is capable of. And it's helped me embody myself more in a way that is both just like being present and physical and being comfortable with, you know, when I put clothes on or being happy with what it does. Because I think, you know, like everybody, I don't love what I see. Not everybody. Some mm. people do. And I want to be them when I grow up. But I don't always love what I see. But I can think but look at what you can do with it, you know, look at who you are and look at what you've, like, I've made kids with it. I've, you know, run like seven half marathons with it. Like I can, you know, lift these weights. I can fix my house and I can do things that are hard with it. Do you think that running has also helped you pay attention to when you are unwell and, ma and make you address those concerns, like when you feel poorly? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, with my second kid, I knew immediately I was pregnant, like immediately, because I went for a run and <laughs> I was like, I have boobs. Oh, shit, I'm pregnant. Like, I was just like, <laughs> because with my first pregnancy, my boobs went from an A to an E cup. I am not even oh, kidding you. That's substantial. <laughs> I mean, we, we went back down, but, you know, the stretch marks and the reality of that is still there. But so when I, I actually had a, a miscarriage in between my first and second kids. So with the miscarriage, I immediately knew I was pregnant because I went for a run. And that was actually a hard one, too, because I was training for another half. 
and my then ex-husband was like you should stop training and I was like why like it's but I'm you know like I'm already mostly through my training program the doctor says it's fine everything's fine and then when I miscarried and I wrote about this in my book belabored but he blamed the running for that Mm -hmm. and I was just like I can't what? But it, it felt like I had done something so insanely selfish mm. that I really struggled with running for a while after that. And I didn't I didn't really fully get back to it until after my son was born. But yeah, I immediately when I was pregnant with him I, and I got pregnant with him just a few months later that like I was like, oh, God, the boobs, the boobs are there again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can. You know, I think it's more like mental health things, too. I've just been blessed. I haven't ever been, you know, had a lot of physical ailments beyond the normals. (laughs) But once again, my mind is a bad place to be. And so it really helps me keep in check. Like, okay, what what am I obsessing over? What am I? Where am I? What do I need to take to therapy? And also, you know, some of my other problems, like, my disordered eating and stuff like that. It helps me remember you deserve to eat. You deserve to be a body. You deserve to rest. That's another thing. Like running teaches me to rest in a way that I don't think I would have ever allowed myself to. I'm like kind of a workaholic. I'm kind of a little manic sometimes a little bit. And so I think that helps me also say to myself, you have to rest because if you're going to get better, you need to rest. Like if you're going to get better, you need to sleep, you need to eat. And so that's what I think it helps remind me to do. Moving my body reminds me to fuel my body and take care of my body and, you know, dress my body and be a body and be sexual too. Like it also like helps me, it helps me heal from the assault and mm-hmm. from, you know, some other things. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate what you've shared today, not only because you've talked about, you know, some really sensitive and difficult topics, but also because you have let me and hopefully our our listeners know that it's okay sometimes to step away from something that you enjoy, um, especially if it it may be kind of ends up being connected to something painful and then you have to find that joy again, find the pleasure and come back to it maybe from a different angle, but it's still there for you when you're ready for it. And I think that is also a part of what being human is, is like rediscovering the joy in something that you've been doing all of your life. Like, We've been breathing, you know, just kind of because we have to and realizing, oh, I like breathing more when I'm doing this thing. I I like breathing more when I'm doing that thing and then figuring out the best way to keep breathing through it all. So I really appreciate you talking to me about all of this today. Yay. Thanks for asking me to talk about one of my favorite things nobody ever asked because, frankly, nobody wants to hear about your running. People are always (laughs) like, please stop. And I'm always like, but look at my training program. They're like, don't. Stop it. Thank you, Liz. Where can um, my listeners find you on the internet? Well, unfortunately, I'm always on Twitter. So that's at L-Y-Z-L Lizzle on Twitter. And there's links to my newsletter there and links to my books and everything like that. Otherwise, I'm on LizLens.com with links to everything else. 
Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. This was great. I really enjoyed talking to you about this. I don't know that I'm going to get out there running, but I really appreciate hearing your perspective on it and how it can help. I feel like you're already so fully embodied. I just started your book. So I feel like you know what you have to do. You know what your body wants (laughs) and what it needs. You don't have to go run nine miserable miles to learn important lessons about who you are. You already know. <laughs> Thank Me, you. on the other hand, I still, I still have to learn. <laughs> now it's time for today's indulgence that part of the show where I recommend something you can enjoy without shame because why? There is no such thing as a guilty pleasure class. Yes, that's right. Great. Today, I am suggesting stepping outside of your comfort pop culture zone and trying something that's not really a favorite. It doesn't have to be something you hate, like you know for a fact that you hate or you can't watch or anything. Like I can't watch gory horror films and stuff like that, so I would never try Saw, right? Like I I already know my limit. I wouldn't do that. But if it's something that just kind of like meh, you know, it's not your favorite, but it's not your least favorite. I recommend trying that again. For me, I don't care for most YA content. That's young adult stuff, like teen books, shows, movies, anything that has to deal with somebody coming of age is not my thing. And it's not a matter of me being, oh, I think I'm too mature for this, or I'm so intelligent. I only watch, you know, Frasier. You know, it's not anything like that. It's just I was a teen and did not enjoy teen content. <laughs> so I don't I don't know what it is. I guess I just always wanted something more from teen. So it's not a slight against teen stuff. It's just not for me. Anyway, I recently put aside my general dislike of the genre overall and watched a show on Netflix called Summertime. It's an Italian show, which is why I wanted to watch it, because I am like deep in my under the Tuscan sun fantasies right now. Like I need my Italian villa with a very well endowed Italian man with beautiful eyes. I'm ready. Where is he? Where is my villa? Anyway, so I'm watching this show, Summertime, because it's Italian and I want to hear the language and all this kind of stuff. And when I read the description, it said that they were young adults. So I was thinking maybe they were college or like 25. But no, these are like teenagers. And it's about a biracial black girl named Summer who falls for this motorcycle racer. I don't know the term, like a moto racer, motorcycle. I don't know, whatever. He races on motorcycles, right? And his name is Ale. They fall for each other, even though like Summer is not really feeling him or she tries not to feel him. You know, it's a whole thing. It's like that whole like we just come from different worlds kind of thing. Right. And once I realized that Summer and her friends were teens, like where am I going to college? Like, what should we do after we finish high school kind of teens? I almost turned it off. But then I saw everyone is in love with Summer and Summer has this beautiful fro that she wears out all the time. And I was just like, yes, bitch, let these people fall in love with you and your fro. So I sat there and I binged the whole first season over the course of two days. It's so good. Also, these teens, um, I was not kissing like that when I was a teen. Like, where did y'all learn this stuff? Anyway, Ale who is the main love interest. He has this best friend named Dario, 
Dario is my favorite. He's so sensitive and he's so sweet. And he looks like a sour straw that's come to life. You know, he's so like, he's just a little little stick. And he's got these beautiful eyes, but he's just a gentle, sweet soul. And then Summer's friends are Edo and Sophie. And Edo, I don't know why God would make somebody look like Edo and have him be so young and so far away from me. I don't understand it. But you know what? If you're in his age range, you should watch this show because he is gorgeous. I almost missed out on this show and all of the beauty and sweetness and passion because if I'd stuck to my preferences and avoided YA content, I just would have missed this gem. So I encourage you to take a chance on some pop culture that you've been avoiding because you're stuck in your ways or it's not your usual thing. Try something new. Surprise yourself. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. And our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T-N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer-level patrons, Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, and Elizabeth. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?